0: Good to be with all of you today, and I know many of you have been online joining us from different places around the country, and maybe even internationally from a a few of you, so thank you for doing that. I know most of you are watching on devices, maybe something perhaps this size, maybe on your television, and I just appreciate you being with us here today. I know a lot of work has gone into providing this live stream, and makes all the difference knowing you're out there with us. But the message I want to share with you today is a message called Hope in Troubled Times, because we live in troubled times, don't we? Uh, Unprecedented in our history, more people are living in fear than many of us have ever known. We're afraid to leave our homes, and if we do, we wear a mask and gloves. We are afraid to enter any location, to touch any surface, or to shake a person's hand. And these fears are certainly based on some good reasons. I mean, for example, we don't want to catch a sickness that is quickly spreading throughout our world, accelerating to numbers that are rapidly increasing each day. And in such troubled times, people also begin asking spiritual questions, don't they? When we are weak, we look for power beyond ourselves, and when we doubt, we ask for signs from above. And this is natural and even common both for believers and unbelievers. But as believers, we face the challenge of living out our faith even at times when we have concerns of our own. We question whether we can pay our bills, whether we can educate our children, find food and medicine that we need to survive day to day, and the list of issues can run on and on. I remember a time in my own life where everything seemed to be falling apart. I was young and my father had been diagnosed with cancer. He was unable to work. The bills were stacking up, and so was our uncertainty during those days. During that time, we were forced to look to God and to God alone for our help. And a passage that was very important to me and to our family during that time is one I would like to share with you today. So if you're following along with God's Word, I'd like for you to look up Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, we'll look at two verses, verses 30 and 31. And the prophet answers the concerns of God's people who are suffering with words of comfort. Verse 30 says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When the strongest among us tire and wear out, When we stumble and fall, where do we find our hope? We find it in the Lord. The Lord is the one who renews our strength. The Lord is the one who makes us fly like the eagle. The Lord is the one who helps us run without growing weary. And the Lord is the one who empowers us to run without fainting. A good word for today is that with God, the battle has already been won. With God, the battle has already been won. But there's a question, because it doesn't always feel like we're winning the battle, does it? Well, when we consider this, there are a couple of reasons Scripture gives why we might not feel like we're winning the battle, even though God already has the victory. The first reason is that we often run in our own strength. Now, I've run some big races over the years, and when I go to these races, it's so funny because some people come to the races with so much gear, it looks like they could fly to the moon. They have stuff on their back, all over their belt. It's incredible the amount of money people spend for this uh, inexpensive sport called running. But others take a simpler approach. They choose only the key items necessary to finish, and what are those items? I mean, obviously, you need water, and you need some kind of nutrition, some food, because nourishment is essential to the finish. However, I've also seen times where a runner has tried to go too long without water or without calories. And these are the runners who fail. No matter how good they are, they cannot last without the essential energy to continue. And the same is true spiritually. We cannot run for long at our own strength. Now, a second reason Scripture gives us is that we often run in our own wisdom. The verses leading up to Isaiah 40, 30, and 31 begin in verse 27 and tell us these words. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? They had doubts about God's plan for their lives. And if we're honest, we do too. We have doubts about whether we can stay healthy and whether God will protect our family we have doubts about the future. We ask, when will I return to work? When will my kids go back to school? Uh, when uh, We even have doubts about God's plan at times. And we wonder, God, why are you letting this happen? And that's where God's Word gives us a clear answer in the next verses, verses 28 and 29. God says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. We see here that God is not surprised. He is not living in fear. He still has his creation under his control. So let's talk about this hope this morning, shall we? To make it simple, I've taken the letters in the word hope, H-O-P-E, And have four areas of biblical teaching that can help us live with hope in troubled times. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down in your Bible or somewhere else. The first one, number one, is the H, help from God. Help from God, because this is the first step of living with hope in troubled times, is to receive help from the Lord. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 tell us these words, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. As one of the Psalms of Ascent, spelled A-S-C-E-N-T, the Psalms of Ascent, they sang this in Judaism as they were walking up to Jerusalem each year, making that long walk to the Passover. And speaking of Passover, did you know that the Jewish Passover is about to begin in just a week from now? This holiday celebrates the Lord passing over the homes of the Jews on the night the firstborn sons of Egypt died. The Jews were able to escape 400 years of slavery and begin their journey to the promised land. Yet even today, there are still Holocaust survivors in Israel unable to eat the Passover due to the current coronavirus. Who is helping these Jews during this time of need? What I love is that there are Christians who are on the front lines of helping. For example, the Jerusalem prayer team is raising funding for their work to feed 3,000 Holocaust survivors in Israel during the Passover to make sure they are able to celebrate that time when God saved his people. They are showing hope in time of need. Even in our personal lives, we know we operate best when our help comes from God. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yet that same Jesus And Scripture teaches all things are possible with God. Now, in my dad's situation, he was blessed with friends who helped drive him to cancer treatments, others who helped him with various practical needs when he was out of work, and he was blessed with healing during this time with cancer. And while he passed away uh, years later from the long-term impact of these events, God gave him ten more years from the time of his first diagnosis, and his help came from the Lord. There's a second area here, though. Not just help from God, but the O is other people. A second way we find hope in troubled times is through other people. Through people uh, in our lives, or even though it's an imperfect situation, we have been given community with one another to help in times of need. And Scripture is filled with examples of serving one another, to love one another, to encourage one another. The call to live for Christ is also a call to live in community with His people. Now, there have been times in my life when the encouraging words of one good friend has lifted me from my darkest days— Some people of you, or some of you have probably heard of the five love languages, right? This little book that was written by Dr. Gary Chapman. It's one of the more popular books of our time. He's a, a leader I've been blessed to meet and work with some in the past. And his books have become so popular that people now joke about their love language being tacos or their love language is chocolate. And I think for myself, my love language is probably cookies if I was going the food direction. But in all seriousness, I've certainly been blessed with what the love language is called in the book of encouraging words. The love language of encouraging words. Because when you feel like you're all alone and no one cares and you can't make it another second, another person offering kind words is life changing. We all have our areas of strengths and our weaknesses. And in my upbringing, hard work was rewarded. It was a performance based relationship where affection was based on how hard I worked. And there's nothing wrong with hard work, but sometimes when we base our worth on our work, it becomes a quick path to burnout and even to discouragement or depression. But it's when we realize that we are valuable to God based on who we are in His image that we can best accept His love. And it's also when we view others as treasures created in the image of God that we can best show our love to other people. The dynamic in this area of other people is that we both give and we receive. We give help to those who need it, and we experience help from others when we need it. And that's why we actually feel good when we do something to help other people, because it's a blessing to them that's also a blessing to us. Yet there are also times God designs our life where we need others to be the helping hand in our own lives. Whether it's the box that's too heavy to lift— or the problem that needs a caring friend to listen to, we need one another. Now, this is an important message when many of us are stuck at home, isn't it? We're called to give and receive love to those even in our own homes, and in whatever ways we can to those beyond our home. What I love is that with today's technology, we might be quarantined to our own home, but the gospel is not quarantined. Did you catch that? The gospel is not quarantined. God's word is not changed, and you can share your faith in incredible ways without even leaving the door of your home. So get creative. I want to encourage you to get fired up and to find some ways to help others and to share hope with someone else during their troubled times as well. In addition to help from God and other people, there's a third area I want to emphasize today, and that's the area of prayer. That's the P in the word hope. Prayer. Prayer is simply talking with God at its root, but it's really much, much more. Some people have asked me how I could stay so calm when there's a a global pandemic going on around me. And in some ways, I really don't know the explanation to that. But as I reflect on the question, one thing that comes to mind is that when you spend a life walking and talking with God hour after hour, day after day, year after year, you know that He's there no matter what. When everything else around me is going well, and when everything around me is falling apart, God is still there. He's still listening. He's not going anywhere, and He is more than enough to meet my every need, and He's there to meet your need as well. I remember one time when we were driving from Indiana to Tennessee after a Christmas visit to our family. My daughter Natalie was still very young, and the weather was terrible outside. It was difficult to see driving through this bad part of uh, hilly Tennessee, and some people were even stopping on the side of the road to take a break. But I glanced in the mirror at Natalie, and she was happily resting in her car seat. No problems there. Not a care in the world. And she could rest during the storm simply because her dad was at the wheel. You know, she was a preschooler. She wasn't expected to drive, right? There's no reason for that. But she didn't need to. She just needed to be with her father who loved her. And this is a picture of our relationship with God in prayer. We don't need to be in control and drive through the storm. We could remain calm during the storm because God is at the wheel. And he's a much better driver than I am. I sometimes think of the Apostle Paul's prayers, and I know this would make a fascinating Bible study series or message series to look at all the prayers of Paul in his 13 letters in the New Testament and in the book of Acts. For example, Ephesians three fourteen to 21 offers one of my favorite prayers of Paul in the Bible. It's a bit long, but as I read it, take it in as a prayer for your own life, perhaps during this difficult time. Ephesians 3, starting in 14 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, and to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't this a powerful prayer? Do you gain a sense of hope as you reflect on its words? You know, sometimes people tell me, I don't know what to say when I pray. Well, there's good news for you. The Bible is filled with prayers. Use them. Pray them in your own voice. Cry out to God, just as Paul did, as the psalmist did, as Jesus did, and watch God flood you with hope in troubled times. There's a fourth area as well I want to share. The letter E represents the area of expectation. What is expectation? It's simply the conviction that God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him. That's Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who what? Love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. All things includes what you and your family are facing today, what they faced yesterday, and what they will face tomorrow and in the days ahead. Look at this verse. Who works in this verse? God works. How does he work? For the good. Who is he working to help? Those who love him. And why does he work? Because you have been called according to his purpose. Did you know in the Greek text in this verse, the word translated we know is actually the first word in the sentence. It's the emphasis And Paul wants to remind his leaders, including us, that God's love for us is something that we know, we tangibly experience. If you look throughout Scripture, the Bible is filled with examples of God's provision in times of need. Adam and Eve in the garden, Noah and the ark, Abraham and Sarah were given a son. Gideon was raised up to save his people. Samuel heard God's voice to lead his people. David defeated Goliath by the power of God, and Nehemiah built the temple wall by the will of God. Esther saved her people through the prayers of God, and Ezra restored the law among the people through the word of God. And finally, Daniel was saved from the lions by the angel of God. And look at Jesus. He rose the dead. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf. He walked on water, turned water into wine, and calmed the storm. He endured the cross, He defeated death, He ascended to the Father, and He now intercedes for you and for me. Does He care about us? Yes, of course He does. And we can expect He has good in store for us. In fact, John 14 says Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us in the Father's house. I love this because it assures me that even if everything falls apart for me in this life, I have a great place to stay in the next life. Why are we often not more hopeful? Why do we not have greater expectations? Why do we often lack that hopeful expectation taught in the Scriptures? As I think about it, I realize that it's often because we focus on the here and now more than on the eternal. Think about that. We care more about our career, our GPA, if you're a student, how we dress or how we look on social media, more than we care about where we will spend eternity— and this is to our shame because look at what scripture reminds us about this issue. If you look at Colossians 3, it begins, "Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things." Philippians 3:20 20 and 21 say these words, "But our citizenship is in heaven." And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's been said we can be so heavenly-minded we are of no earthly good. But I believe that our greater problem is just the opposite. We can be so earthly-minded that we are of no heavenly good. God calls us to fix our eyes on the unseen. As we consider how these teachings apply in our lives, I want us to look at a passage from near the end of the life of Paul. When he was faced with his most difficult and darkest days, his own quarantine, so to speak, he wrote the words of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Turn with me if you have your Bible. 2 Timothy 2. I'm going to start in verse 3 and read through verse 7. Paul tells Timothy and us today, "'Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ,' or of Christ Jesus.' No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Let's consider these three areas Paul mentions. First, he mentions a good soldier, and in his time, he meant Roman soldiers. A good soldier was focused on obeying his commanding officer. You know, when I think of those who serve in our armed forces today, I want to honor them in any way that I can. While you and I may face quarantine, our soldiers remain on the front lines of both sickness and sometimes in battle to protect our nation. They don't get to have 14 days at home or more. Our troops don't get to work from home or have virtual classes like we do. They serve where the need exists. I don't get very emotional watching movies or films like some people, but one thing that gets to me every time are those videos of soldiers returning home to their loved ones. You know the ones I've talked about, the dad who shows up at graduation, the mom in uniform who appears at her son's football game. I don't know what it is, But it's hard to remain unemotional when you see the love and the sacrifice involved in such exchanges. And I think if that's the kind of love we are to show in serving the Lord, we have a long way to go and a long way to grow. I must be willing to go anywhere, at any time, to do anything at any cost for my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. His will is not optional. His will is my life. The second area mentioned in 2 Timothy 2 is an athlete, and in the ancient Olympic-style games Paul likely referred to, their victor's crown was not the golden crown of kings and queens like we think of today. Instead, it was a wreath crown. The crown would not last long, but that was not the point. The victory achieved by the athlete led to the honor of wearing the crown. And even today, when an Olympian wins a gold medal, the medal itself is worth far more than the gold that it's made from. The value is based on the victory as the world's best athlete in a particular event. Now, from a spiritual perspective, we find a similar concept. We're called to serve God as an athlete, and that means first we must serve according to his principles rather than in human power. But a second way, if we want to serve to receive a crown, we seek to achieve a crown that's not an Olympic crown. We serve to win a heavenly crown and to receive heavenly treasures. Now, there are lots of crowns in Scripture talked about as eternal rewards, but I think the greater point is made by Jesus in Matthew six nineteen and 20, where he tells us, "'Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.'" We are to set our heart on the right treasure, just like an athlete, and compete to win a crown that will never fade. The third area that Paul mentions in 2 Timothy 2 is that of the hard-working farmer, and I could talk about this for some time. Many of you do not know this, but I grew up between two farmers in the middle of nowhere Indiana. I was literally raised in the middle of the Hoosier National Forest. You can look it up. We did not own enough land to be considered farmers, but we had our own homestead where we raised a few chickens, a couple of cows, some pigs, and even a goat. It was terrible. I remember as a kid that even taking care of a few animals was a lot of work. We also had a large garden we planted each spring, and as a kid it felt like it was a thousand acres, even though when I look back at it, it was smaller than a football field. It just seemed like an eternal task just to put the seed in all of the rows. I couldn't imagine how a farmer could care for an entire herd of cattle and farm hundreds or thousands of acres of land. It was so much work, and it still is. Uh, Farming is definitely one of the most challenging professions still today. You know, some of my wife's family in Illinois continue the farming tradition, and they work harder than just about anyone I know. But one blessing of being a farmer— Comes at harvest time. As a farmer, you get to pick the first ear of corn or, or the first tomato off the plant. And there is not much that's better in life than eating fresh produce directly from the plant or from the behind. It's one of the unique joys of farming. But spiritually, serving like the hardworking farmer also offers a unique joy. Just as many people are not willing to serve, or just as many people are willing to serve, as a hard-working farmer, many believers are not willing to serve on the front lines of ministry. But there's a special blessing for those who do. I'm not talking just about the pastors or just the missionaries. I'm talking about serving on the front lines of the needs of your family and of your community. They exist right now. And we can all serve in our equivalent of the hard-working farmer during this time. Now, some of you are already doing this. You serve as a delivery worker, or you're a nurse, or a medical professional, you're driving a truck, you're serving more now than before the coronavirus began in our nation. Yet many of us have taken this more reclusive approach, where instead of finding ways to serve, we've chosen to take it easy at home. There's nothing wrong with rest, but we have to consider whether we are using this time wisely. Are we making the most of every opportunity, like the Bible says? Are we spending each day honoring the Lord? Let's look back at how we began today. We looked at Isaiah 40, 30, and 31, noticing that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. We then looked at four ways to find hope in troubled times. We talked about help from God, help from other people, the help that's provided through prayer, the The help of expectation, and finally we review the three ways to faithfully serve the Lord from Second Timothy two. They include the soldier, the athlete, and the hardworking farmer. I want to share one story as we close. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the story of how the Salvation Army began, but it's a man named William Booth who was a British pe- a British preacher who, along with his wife Catherine, founded the Salvation Army and became its first general. He was greatly stirred by the needs of the poor of London and realized most churches were doing nothing to reach those that he called or that were called the undesirables of their time. He set out to reach them with what he called the three S's, soup, soap, and salvation. Might come in handy for some parents at home. Soup, soap, and salvation. Thousands were saved among those that most churches had no interest in reaching. Booth gave his life for the cause of reaching others. But later, when he reached his 80s, his work began to be hindered by his personal blindness. He briefly lost his sight and then recovered it, but later he lost his vision permanently. His grown son came to him with the bad news that he would never see again. And Booth replied, God must know best. I have done what I could for God and the people with my eyes. Now I shall do what I can for God and the people without my eyes. I want to be like that man, William Booth. Whether I have my eyesight or not, I will serve the Lord and help others. No matter the challenge I face, I will serve the Lord. Where do you find your hope in troubled times? If your hope is from the Lord, you will find strength no matter your situation. So today, as we close, let's take a moment to pray and to commit ourselves to following God's hope today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the technology that allows us to continue meeting over distance, over borders, over barriers, despite sickness and pain, to communicate the truth of God, to worship the one true God in spirit and in truth. And today, I pray that those who are looking for hope in troubled times will find it through your word, that they would be encouraged and they would be strengthened to live for you fully today. Father, I do pray for those who are sick and hurting and in need, uh, those who are watching who are at the end of their rope, Father, that you would hold them in the palm of your hand and show them your presence in a mighty way. Father, I pray that uh, there would be one day soon where not only uh, the internet would be filled with people— listening to the Word of God, but this room will once again be filled with people worshiping the true God, proclaiming His name, and living completely devoted to the Lord. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.